Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your spiritual journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Hey, it's good to see you. It's, uh, it's great to be with you. You know, we're in this sermon series, and it's, a, it's called, what, what, why is it really in the Bible? I mean, that's really the question behind the question. What, uh, why, why did it make the cut? And uh, what an exciting series, because I, I don't know about you, but I've looked at some passages, and I thought, I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of that. I don't even know why, why it made the cut. And, and last week, we looked at uh, we looked at the, 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 the person of J.L. and her tent peg, and we came to discover that God tends to use tent pegs more than he does lightning bolts. Have you discovered that yet? He uses tent pegs over lightning bolts, and, uh, and God wants us to choose him first, and when we do that, when we make him our highest priority in life, he will use you in ways that you never imagined, no matter how weak you feel. And, and I've noticed in some of the biggest um, in some of the biggest surprises in the Bible, why is that really in the Bible? Why, why, why did that get there? In some of these biggest stories, I think that might be one of the central messages that we weave through. And, and so before we start in today, as we look at another one of these fascinating stories, I just want to say thank you. In the last uh, few weeks, last couple weeks, about 35 of you have said yes They've said yes to serving, they've said yes to giving, they've said yes to doing the very next things God showed them to do. And, uh, you know, that allows us to be the kind of church that God has called us to be. It allows us to, to do and accomplish the mission that God has called us to be the kingdom of heaven here on earth, to allow it to come to earth. And so I want to say thank you. I'm going to thank, thank you for, yes, that's right, because God is providing through you. And I just, that word just kept coming to me today. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for you. Thank you for saying yes. I want to start today as we look at one of these fascinating stories by sharing Brian, uh, Brian's story with you. Brian came about nine months ago to the Valley Church. Uh, he first started online, and uh, maybe some of you uh, are, I know there's a lot of people watching online today, and, and maybe for some of you, this is your first or second time. You're trying to discover what the Valley's all about, but more importantly than that, trying to discover who God is and what he's got for you. That's where Brian was. He was hurting Brian was in a bad place in his life. And so two weeks after he watched this online, he came, he came on campus and uh, he shared that with me. And uh, he, he came to one of the services, was moved, and God was working in his life. And so the next day, he sent me like this four-page email. I couldn't even read it all in one sitting. I had to come back to it. And uh, Brian was just sharing his heart about what he had, where his life had gone, what he had allowed in his life that had, had put him on the rock, so to speak, and the hurt and the pain. And, uh, and, 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 the, and share with me the, uh, the Zoloft that he had to take, the, the therapist that he had to see and the real pain that he was dealing with. And, and over the next few weeks, as he, as he shared that story and, and we talked, he began to discover that the hole in his life was that he was doing his own thing and not what God wanted him to do. And so he made the decision to begin to turn back to God. And, and he began to heal, and he started doing the, the journey study, started the journey with God, with a guy named Bill, who's here with us today from, from the Valley Church, one, one, one another one of my heroes, because heroes are the ones who say yes to the very next thing God calls them to do, even though they're not sure they can pull it off. They feel like a tent peg. 
And yet they say yes. So I want to read what, what he sent to me. He said, this is long overdue, but I want to thank you in the valley for being so welcoming and providing the resources I needed in a time of desperation to help me find Jesus Christ and to restore my walk with him. As crazy as this sounds, and despite how terribly it started, 2020 has been by far my best year in all aspects of my life, and I'm very grateful to the valley for it. And I want to give God all the glory. I want to give God all the glory. You know, he, he uses us as a church. He uses us as a people in spite of who we are. He said, my son lives 300 miles away in Erie, PA, and he recently started kindergarten. The sermon on what the Bible says about parenting really hit me, and I began thinking about what I've, I've been doing and what I need to do. There were some sermons after that on finding purpose, and I knew it was God telling me to get closer to my son. I've realized that everything I went through before I reached out to you was God making me pay for my choice of sin, but also him showing me that the relationship I was so desperately looking for was with him and with my son. He says, well, I can't tell you how much he's provided. He goes on to, to share how God has just moved in his life. He's actually moved to the Cleveland area to be closer to his son, to be there so he can be in his life, and how God just orchestrated all the events so, and a job and just all those pieces so that he can be with his son so he can do and live out the purpose for which God has given him. He says, I want to especially thank you again. I want to thank you again, especially for your introduction to Bill as a great friendship has come from it. Then he goes on to say, I want to, one more favor. Uh, can you help me find a church in the Cleveland area? Because I, I, I want to keep growing. I, I want to serve the Lord. But he also said, You'll have, a, you'll have somebody virtual at the Valley Church for the rest of my time. And uh, maybe you're joining us today, Bill or Brian. It's great to have you. Well, he goes on to say this. He, he, he wrote this to me. He said, I have never known what it was like to live without depression and anxiety. I wish I would have trusted a long time ago that all it takes is putting everything in God's hands and asking him for his will rather than what I want to live a normal life. I tell it to anyone I can that there is a life without Zoloft. By the way, if you're on Zoloft, it's okay. There's not all. Bill, Brian knew that the reason he was there was because he was living a life that was not where God wanted him to be. And I want you to know that Brian's story is our story. Brian's story is our story. It's the story of the Israelites. You see, they, they began to do things their own way instead of following God's plan for their life and, and enjoying the abundant uh, gifts that he has for them. They went their own way. They said, well, this will lead to fulfillment. The world says, if I do this. And so Brian began to live that way. The Israelites were living that way. And so what did God do? He drew his protective hand back from the Israelites. He always does that. When we go our own way, he honors that but he draws his hand of protection away, and all of a sudden we begin to experience the pain and, and, and the insecurity and the grief and, and the anxiety that comes from a life without God, without his protection over us. That's what Brian experienced. That's why he needed something to help him cope with, with the pain he was feeling in his life. Uh, it, at the end of Judges, these first two stories happen to come from Judges. So that must have been a wild time, the ride of Israel, right? The writer at the end of Judges says this. He says, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. When we stop allowing God, God's plan to lead us, to, to live according to God's way, guess what? We come up with our own plan. 
and our own plan always leads to destruction. That, that's what Brian found out. That's what he was saying. And, and he, thought, he thought he could be the one who broke the mold. We all do to some extent. We think, well, that's not really going to hurt so bad. That's, that's not going to mess up with anybody. What, why did God put a boundary around that anyway? And all of a sudden we fall into the hole and, and we need something in life to help us cope. I want us, as we, as we take a look at this story today, I want you to turn to Judges chapter 3 with me. Judges chapter 3. Uh, if you're following along at home, by the way, the, the host and hostess will put the YouVersion app out there. You can follow the link. You, you'll, you'll have the scriptures. Uh, any of the sermon notes are right there. You can do that right here. If you have the, the Valley app, just connect in. Love for you to do that. But, but I would love for you to turn to Judges chapter 3. This is fascinating. And I wonder how many of you have read this story and thought, man, what's in it? For me, what, what, what's God trying to say? Well, we're going to dig into that. He said, it, it starts out with again. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. It says the Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. The Israelites are on repeat cycle. <laughs> they, they keep repeating the problems of the past. God shows him his favor, his grace. He starts that way. We start on a, on a great term with God, but then, but then when we go our own way, when we decide we're going to do things our way, we, we start disobeying him, then God hands us over. And that's what it says. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And, and that's when things fall apart. We feel the anxiety, we feel shame, and we feel guilt. The insecurity comes in. All of a sudden, we need something to help us cope with life. And that's, that's where the Israelites are, are at. You know, it's, it's fascinating, but when, when Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land, he, he, stopped, he stopped short. He wasn't able to bring them in, so he hands over the leadership to Joshua. He's, he's the, the one that God raises up, and he leads the Israelites into the promised land. After that, there are no rulers raised up ahead of time, and so only when the Israelites get in trouble does God raise up, often raise up a judge to lead them, and that's what's happened here. He's raised up a judge. And, uh, it, and throughout Judges, we'll find that because God loves his people, because God loves you and me, he always raises somebody up to help us, to free us from oppression. You see, God never gives up on the Israelites, his people. And I want you to know this morning, he never gives up on you. You might feel like you've gone too far. You've done too much. You can't feel God's presence in your life. I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear this. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It said when Jesus landed, He was teaching the crowds, and He said it saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because He saw they were like sheep without a shepherd. See, God never lets us go. He never stops pursuing us. God delivers us when we turn back to him. It was true then, and it's true now. The question I have for you today, before we go any further, I think this is, I think this is one of the things that God really wanted me to say through this message today. Are, are you living in pain? Are, are you trying to deal with life with anxiety and depression and, 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 and coping mechanisms? Are you feeling insecure because of the choices you made, because you've pushed God aside? Maybe you've never, like Brian, decided to try God, decided to try his way, his plan, and you're feeling that. 
maybe you've been following God for a while, but you've got complacent. You've got apathetic. Maybe you, you've, you've kind of said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop saying yes to the next thing God shows me. I've, I've done that, but now I'm not, I'm not as open to listening to what the Holy Spirit says because I'm comfortable. Like, I trusted him then, but I don't want to trust him with big things again. Like, I just want to rest where I'm at. I, I really think that that is what God wants to say to all of us this morning. D- don't be where Brian was at. Don't be where the Israelites were at in a place where God has pulled his hand of protection from you. But I think he's calling us back to himself and said, I love you. I don't want you to stay there. And so will you repent? Will you turn back to me? And so if you just bow your heads, just bow your heads. And I want in this moment, maybe you're like Brian. Maybe you felt like I can't handle life. I can't do it. I feel guilt. I feel shame. I feel insecurity. I just want peace again. I want joy. Would you just would you just look to God in your own life and say, God, I want to turn back to you. I want to trust you. I want to stop going my own way, doing my own thing. You know, not only in our individual lives do we need to say that, but as a nation, as a as a as a community, we say, God, we want to turn back to you. We want to do things your way. We're willing to stand up for you. So Jesus, I just pray right now for for each person in this room who feels like they're uh, outside the the hand of God. They're outside your protection. They're feeling the oppression of the enemy. Lord, would you you just put a a tent peg in the heart of that sin? Would you put a tent peg in, in, in that distress that they feel? And Jesus, would you release them by the blood that you shed on the cross? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and you want the best for us and you have a great place for us. And so, Jesus, we commit that to you. We want your hand of protection in our life and in our nation and in our communities. And so we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. See, that, that decision was the beginning of Brian's journey. It, it, it had happened before, but that, that's, that's when he began to see his life change now it says in verse 15 it says again the israelites cried out to the lord so they fall into sin and then they cry out to the lord because when we're in pain we cry out to god we begin to see that we can't do it on our own and it says he gave them a deliverer ehud a left-handed man the son the son of gera the benjamite ehud he if you'll notice he calls him out he was a left-handed man he was a left-handed man. This is significant in the story today. The Benjamites, it meant son of the right hand. The Benjamites, this people, one of the tribes of God, were known for their son of the right hand. And here Ehud is, he's a left-handed man. You ever feel like you just stand out, like you're the odd man out? That's where Ehud was. Now, why was, why was he left-handed? Some would say that, that he bound his right hand so he could learn to be ambidextrous. But I think the, the best explanation, the best that I can see, is that he was actually handicapped in his right hand. He was handicapped with his right arm. We don't know if the incident from birth, if it was an accident. Um, but, but he started to have to use his left hand. And so now this is Ehud. He's, he's a left-hander living in a right-hander's world. I wonder what you feel like today. Maybe you got working against you. Maybe it's, maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your station in life. The family you grew up in is as dysfunctional as it might have been. Maybe it's your skin color. Maybe it's 
I don't know what it is, a, a spouse that's, that, that's not living up their end of the bargain, whatever, whatever it is, I wonder what that might, that handicap you feel like you've got going on. Maybe that place in life you feel like I'm a left-hander in a right-handed world. I, I just don't fit. So Ehud was raised up as a liver, but he's an unlikely deliverer. I mean, who's going to pick a left-hander from the tribe of Benjamin who are, who are right-handers? <laughs> It says, the Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Tribute, by the way, is protection money. You've seen all the mob shows. You know, it's that kind of protection money. Like if they don't pay the protection, they're going to send Guido and all the enforcers and Israelites going to feel it. And that's really what's happening here. In fact, even when they pay the tribute, that's happening. These are some pretty bad oppression. It says, now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, Cubit goes from maybe the inner side part of your elbow up to about your finger line, if you if you got a decent sized arm, about 18 inches, and it's double edged. It's meant, yeah, it's meant for a thrust. And it says, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. So he comes to Eglon with this 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 whole entourage, this support staff, who brings this tribute so that they can. They pay the protection so, so they don't get beat up quite so bad in Israel. Like, this is going on. This is, and, and so they pay the tribute. They turn back. They head back toward Israel. And they said, and, and by the way, but before they do that, they give the tribute to Eglon. And it, what's fascinating to me is they, this last statement, who was a very fat man. Well, why is that mentioned in this story? I mean, well, what's the deal? Uh, where's the sensitivity? And uh, I think God is making a statement here. I think God is making a statement. There, there's some details in the story that aren't there by accident, okay? And if we missed over them, we don't understand he's a, Ehud is a left-handed and a right-handed world. That, that's important for you and me. But we also got to understand there's a reason it talks about him being a fat man. You see how he got fat was on the, on the backs of God's people. He, he got fat on the backs of God's people. In other words, there are, there are people in life, there are, there are some of us even, through, before we come to Christ, that, that we, yeah, we don't do things according to God's plan. And so we, we aren't living the way that we ought to, and so other people pay the price for that. And Eglon, king of Moab, was a fat man because he was living off the people of God. And, and he, he got fat on their backs. And you know what? You won't mock God forever. And that's, I'm convinced, why that is here. He was fat for the wrong reasons. He got fat on the backs of someone else. It says, after he had presented the tribute, he sent, them, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. Who can resist that? <laughs> a secret message for me? Oh, good. We all liked the Dakota rings when we were kids. You know, we, we like this stuff. And it's the cloak and dagger. Kind of, okay, this is good stuff. Now, here's the interesting thing. So they, the Israelites are going back. Ehud and his crew, they've given the tribute. They're going back. They stop at the stone images. That's idols. Idols of, of gods other than the one true God. And the idols of the land. And so they stop there. He sends the rest of the crew back. And he turns back and goes back to Eglon, king of Moab. And he says, I got a secret message for you. Well, Eglon knew that he went to the stone images and he's probably excited thinking maybe, maybe he got a message from his God. Maybe he got a message just from one of my gods. And I, I want to hear that message. 
Now, Eglon isn't worried about Ehud, by the way, because he's one guy. He's handicapped. He can't even use his right hand. Like, right-handers, they, they were the strong ones in, in the day. They were the ones who could do something. And so the left-hander, what, what, what risk is he? And so then, then it says, Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a, I have a message from God for you. And it says, as the king rose from his seat, so, so picture this, he's going before the throne room. There's a big palace, but there's a room up top, and it's got a throne. It's got two thrones, by the way. We're going to find out there's another throne, the kind where we go to the restroom, right? There's, there's two thrones in the throne room, and, uh, but the, we're, we're focused on the first one. And he's sitting on the throne, and Ehud comes up to him. Everybody else has vacated the room, right? And so, and, and the king stands for the message, because everybody knows, and, and even a king who's evil knows that you respect God, that you stand in front of God to hear the message. If you're going to hear a message, if you don't respect him, you're not going to hear the message. So he stands before, before Ehud to hear the message. It says, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, and plunged it into the king's belly. That's assassination. You might struggle with this. I've struggled with this. Um, why, is, why, why, is that, uh, why is that a good thing? Just when we go back to last week with J.L., you know, God has ways of delivering judgment. In this case, Eglon, king of Moab, is the symbol of all sin and oppression for God's people. What does God want us to do? He wants us to put a tent peg through sin. He wants us to put a dagger through anything that keeps the people of God in bondage. It says he plunges it into the king's belly. Now, now here's the thing. Here's where his handicap works for him. He has at least thinking, right? Like he's a left-handed and right-handed world. When he comes to the king, why did God choose him? He's weak. Why would God use him? God used him because people didn't expect what he would do in the way that he did it. He used him because he was weak and the glory would go to God and not to Ehud. But, you know, in that day, they would have searched. Well, I don't know if they'd have searched at all if they saw that he was handicapped, but if they would have searched, the guards, the security people would have searched the left leg because that's where people hid their weapons. If there was going to be a weapons in the left, they wouldn't have looked on the right side because everybody put their weapon on the opposite side so they could draw it. And he reaches with the left hand, he draws the sword from his right thigh, and he plunges it into the king's belly. And the message that Ehud delivers is one of judgment to all those who disobey God, to all those who are oppressing God's people. It says, when he thrust the dagger in, if you read through, this, the king dies instantly. His bowels explode. It's an ugly, smelly mess. It's bad. Why is that detail in there? I'm telling you because it's in there. Truth is, I think there's a point. When we get cut open in life, what's inside spills out. What's inside spills out. And whatever's done outside God's plan is a waste. What comes out when you're cut open? What, what comes out when you're bumped in life, when, when somebody hurts you? when somebody disagrees with you, when, when, when somebody treats you wrongly, when you're facing challenges that you don't feel like you ought to face, when somebody else has it easy and, and you don't, 
what comes out. When Jesus got cut, red blood flowed out for you and for me. When Eglon got cut, something altogether else came out. I think all of us, as we read this story, as we look at what God is trying to say to us, I think it's as clear as black and as white. Are we with him? Are we going to do it our own way? And what we determine determines what's going to come out of us in our life. Fascinating, he says, even the handle sank in after the blade. Like, this guy was so big, they couldn't even find the handle back, and his bowels discharged. That's the explosion we're talking about. Ehud did not pull the sword out, and the fat closed over it. Well, that was convenient. Didn't even have to pull it out. Then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. Like, he locked the door so, the, so, so nobody could come in. He was all alone with the king anyway. And God's reversed the situation on this king. It said, after he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said he must be relieving himself in the inner, place, or the inner room of the palace. No doubt, they smelt the explosion that had taken place. And uh, they came to this conclusion. So he must be relieving himself. It said they waited to the point of embarrassment. My question is, how long is that? Have you ever gone to the restroom in a public place, and it took you a little longer, something happened, uh, wardrobe malfunction, whatever, you know, and, uh, and they sent somebody in for you. That's the point of embarrassment. So I don't know how long that is, but that's what happened here. It says, but when he did not open the doors of the room, they took the key and unlocked them. There they saw their Lord had fallen to the floor, dead. Now in the intervening time, while they're waiting, Ehud escapes. We don't know if there was a chamber pot in there. We don't know if it was an indoor outhouse. We do know there probably were not composting toilets at the time. I know that's the rage, but that, I don't think that's what it was. But there was a way out for him, not through the locked door. And I think, and he, Ehud was no dummy. Like he used his head. Do you know God gives you a brain to use? And sometimes we like, God, you, if you don't show me, I can't go. God's already told you what to do. Go make disciples. He's already told you what to do. Be generous. You, you don't have to like, well, God, how Go do. Use your head. God's given you a head. Sometimes he's very clear about some things and other things. He's made it very clear in his word. Just go begin to do the next thing you see to do that, can, that God has, has led you to the place he's led you. And so they have no doubt that the king is doing this. Ehud goes back. He's just killed the king of, of Moab, Eglon. And so now the leadership's decapitated. He goes back. He blows the trumpet. That calls all the fighting men together. They go and they kill the 10,000 men from Moab. And they defeat the enemy that's oppressed Israel for 18 years. Brian said it was about 10 years in his life. He felt a miss. He just felt like wandering he was going through this pain, searching for love in all the wrong places, searching for things that he would never find outside of God's plan. How, how long has it been for you? How, how long has it been for, for the people around you? What's interesting, Ehud's, Ehud's disability, his handicap makes him the ultimate assassin because it's in his weakness that God uses him and, and look what happens. Because he says yes, even though he's got a handicap, even though he feels like I'm the odd man out, said the land had peace for 80 years. That's a long time. If you read the Old Testament, 
It's fascinating, but everything seems to happen in 40-year increments. Why? Because 40 years is roughly a generation in those days, maybe a little more, but so it's really two generations enjoying peace because Ehud said yes to God. And God used him in a mighty way. I want you to see this today. God works through our weaknesses more than our strengths. God works through our weaknesses more than our strengths. He uses tent pegs more than he does lightning bolts. Why is that? There seems to be a theme in some of these crazy stories. God wants you to know, I'm going to use you. And, and stop making excuses about the weaknesses you have. Paul he had this disability in the New Testament, and it said it was a thorn in his flesh. Well, if you read, you, you, you start to get the idea that the, and we don't know 100% for sure, but it, it appears it was blindness, that this spiritual leader who was supposed to see things for the, the people of God, who was supposed to plan all these churches, couldn't see physically. And it was limiting him, so he asked God to take the thorn out of his flesh, to take it away. Did God? No. Why? Because Paul dealt with something called pride. And, and, and he, he, he thought he could do it on his own strength. He could lead the he, he could be a better Christian, or, or actually in those cases, a, a better God follower. He wasn't following Christ. He was, I, 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 can, I can be a better Jew. And he, and he was trying so hard. And it was his pride that got in the way. Moses, you know, leading the people of God. And God says, I want you to lead the people of God from Egypt to, to the promised land. And Moses said, I can't speak. I can't do it. I, I, and there's a good chance that, that Moses was a stutterer. Like, he just couldn't get the words out. And he's like, you can't ask me to be the spokesman and the leader of the people of God. That's just too big. There's no way, God. Ask somebody else. Get, get somebody else. Why did God use Moses anyway? He was a man after his own heart. He trusted in God, but he also... He used someone with a weakness so that Moses wouldn't get the glory, but that he would. You know, the first thing we do when we have a weakness, when we, when we feel like we have a handicap, how can God use us? I'm, I'm in a place that doesn't make sense. I, I don't have the ability. We always make excuses or we try to get rid of the handicap, don't we? We say, God, when you take this away, then, then I'll serve you. Like, 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 can you help me in this? I'll obey you, but but I don't know. I'm, I'm too scared. I'm, I'm, I'm too small. I'm too weak. I can't see. I can't hear. I can't think. I don't comprehend like other folks. And I, nobody's going to listen to me. I'm a left-hander in a right-handed world. And on and on and on we go when God is just saying, will you be available to me? Because I'm going to use you right where you're at with the weakness that you have, with the handicap that you have. I share Brian's story. We connected Brian with Bill Roth to do the journey, eight-week study. Bill wasn't ready. Said he felt inadequate. Hey, he's just starting a journey himself. What do I know? You know, why, why, why me? Can I, can I really do this? And he wrote this to me. He said, I was so nervous about doing this as I am still so new to my own walk. I was worried that I would fail at helping lead someone else, but kept feeling led to do so. That's the Holy Spirit working, moving us convicting us, putting his hand on us, encouraging us. He said, I'm so glad that I listened and agreed to do this. It helped me out in so many ways. I'm so glad that it made such a huge impact in Brian's life as well. Just goes to show that God always has a plan and knows just what to do. Plus, Brian and I have developed a pretty great relationship. So not only did we both grow spiritually, but we both gained 
a new friendship. Bill said yes to the Holy Spirit's leading, even though he felt weak and inadequate, like all of us are. But because he said yes to the very next thing God showed him to do, Brian found a relationship with Jesus that grew, and now he's part of the kingdom of God, and he's spreading the kingdom of God in his family with his son, and in the Cleveland area, as we now have a new missionary. (laughs) See, that's how God works. That's what God wants to do. And yet, here's Ehud. Ehud's the, the man out. He's in a tribe of right-handers. He's a left-hander, but God chooses him. And sometimes you think, why, God? Why don't you just lead with our strengths? I've read books. It says we are to lead with our strengths. We're to find our strengths and use them. And I believe we are, by the way. God has given you a strength, and and he's he's given you abilities in a certain area, and you're a 10 there, and you're only a 3 over here. Man, lead with your strength. He has shaped you in a certain way, and so you should discover what those are and use those in the kingdom of God to the best of your ability. But I'm telling you there are times when God is going to call you to lead in the area of your weakness. Why does he do that? Because we have a tendency to pride. And here's the other thing. We have a bigger tendency to just focus on what we can do. And we say, God, this is all I can do, so I can't do that. There's no way it's going to work out. And God says, wait a minute, I want to do something much bigger than that. Paul said this. He said, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. See, Paul comes to the conclusion that when he does what he can do, he only does what he can do. Have you come to that conclusion? But when you do it, when God calls you to do it, and when he's with you, you don't just do what you can do, but you, when you invite God into it, God does what only he can do. (laughs) And between the two of you, you make a pretty good team. I've got, I've got a new resolution. I got these little, um, I got these little sheets of paper in my Bible. It's in the front. I read them about every day. They're the three big rocks from my life, and now I got four. I'm just waiting for God to speak. It's something I started about five years ago, and I, I write on a slip of paper. This is something I'm like, rises above all the others, and I got three of them in there. This is now my fourth. The, the rules for my living, what God has spoken to me. And this is it. And I hope maybe this could become your rule. I will do what I can do. I will do what I can do, no matter my limitations, no matter how weak I feel, no matter if I'm the odd man out, no matter if I'm scared or or have fear or don't see how it can all work. And I will depend on God to do what only he can do. Because that's where the miracles come. That's where life change happens. When God calls you to do something and you're the odd man out and you don't see how it can work, do what you know to do and invite God to do what only he can do and then stand back and be amazed and be amazed. So what are some ways to apply what we've just talked about today? Well, I'm just going to tell you, this is the first. If you don't get out of the sin cycle, none of this will happen. If you don't get out of the sin cycle, none of this will happen. If you're living your own life away from God, apart from His ways, you aren't going to stumble back in accidentally. You're going to make a conscious decision that the pain has caused you. God has pulled His hand of protection away from you and you need Him. 
And whether you've never walked with God or whether you've walked with Him for 10 years or 15 years and, and now you've gotten into somehow in a cycle, maybe you've gotten into a dark place in your life and you allowed things in that shouldn't have been there. Maybe, maybe you just got apathetic and you, and you got busy. Or, or maybe you purposely fell into something that you know is not God's plan. I'm going to tell you, you've got to get out of the sin cycle for God to re- release you from the oppression that you feel to be forgiven, to be remade. He wants you out of that cycle because then he can put his hand of protection back on you and his hand of power so he can accomplish what he wants to accomplish in you. So that you don't need something to cope with life, like alcohol, like sex, like drugs, like Zoloft. And by the way, if you need Zoloft, it's okay, really. It, this is not about, this is Brian saying, I didn't, I, the reason I was using it was, was because of, of sin. It wasn't a medical problem. In my case, it was sin. And, and I thought that maybe that could be the answer. And it never is. You and I got to get out of the sin cycle. And then we got to say yes to the next thing God's calling you to do. Everybody always wants to wait. Well, when God does this, when he shows this, when he helps me get better here, when I understand more there, God wants you to be the deliverer. And all of us have a weakness. And God's going to use that weakness so that he gets the glory, so that you won't depend on what you can do, but you'll begin to depend on what he can do. Because that's when the amazing things happen. That's when lives are changed and remade and restored. And that's what he's called us to. You know, you and I have a choice to make. Just as we looked last week and we looked this week, Our allegiance is either for God or to the other relationships that demand our loyalty. We see it today. We see it last week with JL. Who do you choose? Who will you follow? And will you say yes to the very next thing God shows you? Because until you say yes to this, you'll never get here. Because that's about 10 yeses down the road, just so you know. And every yes you say will not only bless someone else, but it will strengthen you. God wants to use you as a deliverer. Are you ready? He chose Ehud, and now he's choosing you. I want to just encourage you to say yes to serving. Figure out, man, what am I, what, what does God want me to say yes to? Some of you need to say yes to forgiving someone. There's somebody that's hurt you, and you need to be the deliverer. And you know what? Maybe you say, but but, but I'm the one that got hurt. God wants to free the other person, and he wants to use you and your weakness. You say, I can't forgive them. You can. Not not with yourself. That's your weakness. But with his power, you can do it, and all things are possible. Some of you need to be generous with your finances, not because the church needs money, but because God wants you to put him first in your finances to show that you trust him every week and every day of your life. Some of you need to begin to to build relationships with other people so you can invite them into the kingdom of God. And you've never done that. You say, well, I'm not good at that. Some of you need to begin to pray with other people when the need comes up right where you're at. You say, well, I can't pray out loud. That's you you're depending on. God wants you to begin to build into other people's lives. Pray with them right then. You don't need a pastor. 
You don't need somebody else who's a prayer. You need you being obedient and letting God do what only He can do. That's what He's trying to tell us. Like He wants a people called out for Him in this world, in this chaotic, messed up world. He wants a people of God called out for Him, choosing Him above all else. And He wants people who aren't afraid to say yes to Him, even, or they are afraid, but they say yes anyway. And then He works and changes the world. That, that's what He wants to do. Maybe that's why it gives us such a messed up story so it'll stick in our head. By the way, don't go out and assassinate people. I don't think that's the, the idea in this, in this story. He wants you to assassinate sin. He wants you to assassinate sin. He wants you to assassinate the wrong patterns in your life and in your family's life so that people can be free, that you can be free. He doesn't want you to live like that. He wants you to live like Brian's living now. My heroes in life are the people who, who, who say, you know what, I'm going I'm to serve in somebody's life. I'm going to give people like Bill who say, you know what, I don't know how this is going to work out, but uh, yes, and change people's lives. Love it. You guys inspire me. I want you to know that. Your obedience inspires me, and it glorifies God. That, that's what he wants us to do. Let's pray. Father, just pray for each person here this morning, whether they're sitting in the car, watching on, on, on YouTube or on Facebook, whether, whether they're right here, right now, whether you're listening to a podcast a week from now, Father, you want to move in men and women's hearts. You want to free them. So would you do that? And, and Father, would you help them to know how much you love them? And you want them to live above shame and guilt and, and without oppression in their life. And in spite of oppression in their life, you want them to have joy and peace and live above the chaos. But Lord, you also, Father, would you just, you want, us to use, you want to use us just like you used Ehud. And I, I want to pray, Father, for each person here that they would take the very next step they know to take. Would you just impress it upon their heart? Would you reveal it to them, what they are to do? Maybe they already know it, and they just need the courage. Would you give them the courage to say yes to you, to trust you, even though they have no clue how it's going to come out? That, that they know that they're too weak. Praise God. Then they can trust in you. Help them to come to that place where they understand what you want to do and how you want to work. That you would receive the glory and the honor and the praise for what you do. And so we ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, next week, we're going to be talking about boldness. So if you need to wear a toupee, really, if you're follically challenged, I don't make this stuff up, but it's, it's and, and we're not, we're, it, it doesn't end up the way I th think it ought to end up. So fascinating, and if you want to read uh, about that story, uh, about Elijah and Elisha and the Baldy and all that good stuff, it's, uh, you'll find it in, in the Kings area, and uh, go look it up. Google will show you, and uh, that's where we're going to be. You won't want to miss it. God bless you. Invite a friend. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected to all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share with a friend because changed lives change lives.